Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Belly Up Fantasy Live Football Edition. We are back. We're going to talk about the running back consistency grades. We were out here a couple weeks ago when we had the quarterback consistency grades. Now, a lot's happened since, especially today, because we've had the free agency, and it's been absolutely crazy, and we are going to have a lot that we're going to have to cover. We are going to stick to the running back for today, though, because we're going to have literally all offseason to talk about every single one of these moves. So we'll get to it. Don't you guys worry. And today's a special night, not just because I'm joined here with the normal crew of Lamaro and Dow Hauer and Adam, along with myself, Dan Mater, but also because we have a very special guest, John here from FTLS, FTLS for the love of Sunday. You can find him at FTLS underscore JBats. John, thank you for joining the show with us today. Guys, thank you very much for having me on. Listen, uh, I love talking football with anybody and everybody. Trying it on a million shows, do this every chance I get in the off season. So, I uh, I appreciate you guys having me on to do this. Belly Up is uh, an old home of mine. Uh, I got my start there. My first podcast aired on Belly Up. So, um, this is great to come back and hang out with you guys and talk football. Yeah, it's great to have you back, man. Great to be able to talk what we all love so much. And like I said, we're going over the running back consistency rankings today, or grades, I should say. And there's one thing we got to get away off the jump because I'm already, I already know I'm going to hear it on social media and I just want to get it out of the way to make sure that everyone understands exactly what it is that they're looking at. So no, you look at the graph here. Yes, the consistency grades from starter to non-starter are going to be different here than you're going to find at any other location. The reason for that is most sites, when they do starter to bust grades, percentages, whatever you want to do, they will usually do it at least up to about mm, top 24. Not us. We incorporate top 36. Why? Because if you're a top 36 running back, that means you're a viable flex play. Last time I checked, flex is start. 
So that's why we incorporate them. If you want to know the breakdown of each and every one of these players, as far as how many times they've finished in the top five, top 12, 13 to 24, top 36, or finish outside of that number, all you got to do is go to bellyupfantasysports.com, go to the research tab. You'll find the consistency grades there. You'll find the scoring leaders there. Everything you could possibly need is available on the website. So I wanted to get that out of the way. So that way everybody understands. And now I want to hear how my boys are doing. Dow Howard, how are we doing tonight? I'm doing good. I'm ready to talk some football. I'm super excited. Free agency is getting all pumped up over here. It's got my mind splitting in two because I've been running all the notifications between belly up fantasy and my own at belly up MDFF show. And I, I, I can barely keep up. Lamar, you just had an article come out today about Jalen hurts. How, how'd you feel about that one? What was your, without giving us too much, cause we want people to go to belly up to check it out. What was your summary on that? Well, I just feel like Jalen hurts is going to surprise the league this year with his passing ability. You know, we saw two, 300 yards, uh, two, 300 yard games out of him last year against Arizona and Dallas. Uh, I think he's going to be a top 10 fantasy quarterback this year. He's got that rare uh, combination of passing ability and rushing ability. So I feel like um, he's really going to shock the league and be a top uh, fantasy quarterback option this year. So go ahead and check that out on bellyupfantasysports.com for more details on why Jalen hurts is going to be a top 10 quarterback. I'll have to get back to you on that after I'm done doing my numbers early in the summer to see if I agree or not. But with the running ability, he might be on his way. Adam, my man, you had an article come out today. The best situations for rookie quarterbacks for dynasty purposes. How, give us a little bit about that and how you're doing. Oh, I'm doing great. Um, I'm, I'm super excited to talk football with you guys tonight. Uh, in regards to that, I just wanted to pinpoint some of the best locations for the maybe less premier quarterbacks, uh, essentially just not the Trevor Lawrence, not uh, Zach Wilson, the guys that will either be uh, more impacted by uh, the players around them or that may need some time to sit behind someone but uh, can come to their own later on. Absolutely. I want to let you guys know that today's show is brought to you by Manscaped. All you got to do is use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Get 20% off and free shipping on your next order for manscape.com we'll talk about them a little bit throughout the show because they are our top sponsors for belly up fantasy live football so let's dive in to the running backs finally and i'll throw that graphic up there again one more time for you guys all to see now we got aaron jones it's a good thing i had aaron jones listed at the top there because there's a lot to talk about with aaron jones and i have a rant I think I'm going to save it for Friday for when Dow Howard and I are doing the MD's fantasy football show for Friday morning at 11 a.m. on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. All I will say is this. I am a bit flabbergasted that uh, Green Bay decided to bring him back. But let's talk about Aaron Jones. Let's go to our special guest, John. He was Every game that he played, he at least finished in the top 36 last year. Jamal Williams will be gone does that continue now that he's back with Green Bay for, I guess, the next four seasons? Um, I think you have to feel comfortable about it. I think you have to feel pretty good. Uh, Green Bay paid him to be, you know, that guy. 200 carries and, uh, you know, 80 to 100 targets is not out of the realm of possibilities as long as Aaron Jones is on the field. So, you know, am I worried about A.J. Dillon? No, I'm really not. I think that they can work in tandem. I think they can absolutely be a one-two punch to be reckoned with. Um we watched Jamal Williams get out there and get, you know, close to 150, you know, carries. So give that to AJ Dillon now and you're totally fine. I think Aaron Jones is is great. He's safe. He's should be viewed as a mid one with upside kind of every week, low end one with upside every week. Um, because again, 
that offense is just so potent and, and he could score touchdowns kind of at will. So that's, I like Aaron Jones. He's, I just picked him up in dynasty. I traded for him with all the sort of uh, news kind of floating around that he might not get signed. He might move teams, all this different stuff. And I feel like I'm cashing in right now. I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah, I'm sure you were able to kind of buy him a little bit on the low side, especially during the flux period there. Adam, we'll kick it to our other dynasty, man. How are you feeling about the Aaron Jones situation? Pretty much what he said. I mean, what the weapon that is Aaron Jones is that he's going to get those targets in the passing game. Um, you see, outside of Alvin Kamara, I think he had the most receiving yards of anyone in the top 10 on that uh, that list. And, I mean, that's just where the value is. He's a guy that's going to get you probably like up 1,000 to 1,200 yards rushing, but he's also going to add that four to 500 yards receiving, and that makes him consistent. He may not, you know, have the... 40 point games that you know some of the premier guys can have as often as them but he also never really goes under the 10 to 15 because he adds his uh consistency receiving no and and we saw that in full display again 100 percent finishing the top 36 he didn't have the 19 touchdown season like he did two years ago and he was still able to maintain that kind of consistency where are you seeing this going lamar um, I think Jones is going to be productive again in 2021. Um, he was the, one of the more efficient running backs in the entire league, averaged 5.5 yards a game last season. Uh, that was the highest average for any running back with over 200 carries. Uh, my one major concern is that we see regression sometimes from running backs coming off uh, signing big contracts. We see it with Zeke Elliott. He's been progressively declining for the last few years. And uh, the Packers also lost uh, Corey Lindsley, who I felt got snubbed out of the Pro Bowl last year. So you're looking at that loss on the offensive line. You could see some some regression maybe, but in a balanced and highly potent offense like Green Bay's with Aaron Rodgers under the under center, I don't really see Jones regressing too much next season. Was this a big contract, Dow Howard? I don't know if it was quite the contract he was quite hoping for, but I think it's definitely interesting, um, as Rebecca kind of noted, that it ensures he's top dog in the backfield for moving forward. Um, I think that that's pretty much makes the A.J. Dillon – draft pick even more questionable now in retrospect. Um, yeah. But it is, I mean, in the meantime, the rest of us fantasy owners can definitely enjoy everything as we're talking about. You have a guy who can basically take it to the house from anywhere in, on the field and also a guy who's going to be heavily involved in the passing game. And as long as you have Aaron Rodgers taking the snaps on their center, I think that Green Bay offense is going to be humming a little bit. So, yeah, it's a nice, nice fit for everybody. I love that John kicked it off with the receptions because that's the key. With no Jamal Williams, what that vacates as far as targets go, there's only one thing that A.J. Dillon does well, and that's first, second down, short yardage work. That's what he does well between the tackles. He ain't going to catch the ball. So the only thing you'd have to worry about would be if A.J. Dillon is going to steal goal line work. But his contract suggests that's not probably going to happen either. Because you're not going to pay him at least guaranteed $24 million over the next two years to have him go second fiddle to A.J. Dillon once they get inside the red zone. It's just, it's just not going to happen in that situation. So to your point about the contract ensuring that he's the man, I think you have touchdowns, you have receptions. I don't really care about the in-between when it comes to Aaron Jones. So him staying amongst the top as far as consistency guys like he was this past season should continue on. Now, Christian McCaffrey, we added him in here. Of course, there's only five games last year, but he was amazing. I mean, amazing in those five games. Three, no, I, I, I should have pulled it up exactly, but it was, it was at least three top five finishes in the five games that he played, and he wasn't even 100% for all those games. We're going into this season... 
As of now, it sounds like it's going to be Teddy Bridgewater quarterback. We'll see if they draft somebody. We'll see if they're able to make a change there. Not that it matters all that much. We looked at what Mike Davis did with no Christian McCaffrey around. What is what is the ceiling? Is it RB1 again for this season, Lamaro? It's always RB1 when it comes to Christian McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. And even with all the injuries piling up when Christian McCaffrey's on the field, as you mentioned, he's a beast. So he's a beast in the running game. He's a beast in the passing game. He's probably the best dual threat running back there is in the game when he's healthy. So we've seen the injuries be a concern over the course of the last couple of years, but the Panthers have a good enough offensive line where he can produce. And I actually do think Teddy Bridgewater is good enough at quarterback where he's not going to see too many uh, eight men in the box scenarios. John, are you worried about him being able to stay healthy? Uh Worried. Um, no, I'm not worried. I, I, you know, I don't like to label anyone injury prone. I, I, I don't do that. That's not how I play fantasy. Um, you know, it, is it getting riskier? Yeah, of course. You know, a guy, a guy who has a ton of workload. I mean, he was on the field for 99% of the snaps the year prior. So, yeah, I mean, it's they're putting a heavy workload on him. So maybe do they lighten that up a little bit? Maybe do they get someone else involved? Sure, but I still think they're going to play him to be that bell cow back. I'm not worried about it. So, um, injuries can't can't shouldn't sway you away from a player too much i think that's kind of a farce in fantasy football people get too concerned with injury i I think if they're healthy play them you know again not too many guys can go thousand thousand and and he can certainly do it yeah i'm not overly concerned either because this is the first time we've even seen him miss i mean it was a high number of games but even miss games even if you go back to his college career uh dow howard what are you looking at when you look at christian mccaffrey does he rise the top of your board again I think he has to. I mean, as you pointed out, kind of with the question opening up, Davis is top 10. And if Davis is top 10, McCaffrey's two, put the math together, you got a guy who's definitely one of the top guys. And then, as everybody kind of pointed out, I don't see why he doesn't continue to do what he's been doing. Um, to your point, he's only been injured more recently. The injury isn't so much a workload thing, it looked like, is more just kind of. Um, I would say more of a freakish thing. The guy is a workout warrior. We kind of seen that in the past. We definitely see the workout videos here and there. Um, and his running style isn't a kind of style where he's taking a lot of straight up hits. Even with the passing game, he's um, usually able to kind of do a good job of getting down or getting out of bounds. A lot of times it's not a guy that maybe as they were kind of pointing out, he takes a little less hits, uh, maybe a little less, you know, third and ones here or there. But I do think Chris McCaffrey has got to be top of your board. Adam, is is the fact that Joe Brady, at least for the meantime, will still be the offensive coordinator, he might wind up getting a head coaching job next season. But having him Good. and Matt Rule there moving forward, does that open up the door that McCaffrey may have a longer window at sitting at the top five than most running backs in Dynasty would have? I think that does, and I just think his how good he is as a receiver does. I, I think you've seen... Um, some backs hold on to that receiving ability maybe a little bit longer than they do the running ability. I mean, James White's, what, 29 now, and he's still, as a receiving back, very good. Um, and, and as far as the injuries go, I am someone who can get a little swayed away from someone on injuries, but I, I'm not for Christian McCaffrey specifically. As Dowhauer mentioned, I don't think they were really workload injuries. They were just kind of, you know, freak injuries that happened with big men running around on a football field really fast. Uh So I'm not that concerned. I don't think that his injuries last year will impact him too much going forward. And I have him as my RB1 in both uh, Dynasty and uh, Redraft. And I have him as my number one overall player for Dynasty. 
I, I mean, I can't disagree with that. I'm definitely going to have a number one redraft. All I keep going back to, Mike Davis. Mike Davis. Mike Davis was an RB1. It's Mike Davis. And he was an RB1. <laughs> exactly. What is exactly. Christian McCaffrey going to do in 17 games next season if he's able to stay healthy within that offense? So let's move on to our next player here. And it's Dalvin Cook. Ooh, Dalvin Cook. So you got you got well, you got Clint Kubiak now instead of Gary Kubiak. Not the same, but I mean, let's be real, probably basically the same. This team had to throw the ball a little bit more than they had to last year. They had to score more points than they usually have to because, you know, usually a Mike Zimmer led team is going to have a decent defense. I don't, I'm glad. Here's what I'll say about Dalvin Cook I'm very, very happy that he was able to get through last season for the most part healthy. We talked about Christian McCaffrey and being worried about that. And John mentioned, you know, not wanting to label guys as injury prone. He was in the industry labeled as injury prone until last season. Very happy he was able to only miss one game and get that monkey off his back. Adam, what are you looking at with Dalvin Cook? Does, does anything change with Dalvin Cook? I, I don't think there anything changes. Him being one of the top consistent guys should really remain the same. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. I think uh, he's going to be one of the more consistent guys. I think he's gonna, he is one of the more explosive guys. When healthy, he is – I mean, he can take it to the house any play. That's kind of cliche, but it is what it is. Uh, yeah, I have no concerns really with Dalvin Cook. I mean, injuries could mess it up, but that's anyone. Is anybody worried about the offensive line maybe overachieving last year? How about you, Dahar? I'm I'm not really worried about the line overachieving. I am I'm not typically a person swayed by injury, and I love Dalvin Cook. We know you, know, we, you and I know that I've loved him since he was at FSU, but I am a little concerned the workload last year. And I am a little – I see a little bit of Arian Foster where it could be just another good year for him or it could be where Arian Foster started getting banged up here or there. Um, so I'm kind of curious to see how this year kind of unfolds. I think this is the year where we do see if that label, like you're talking about, gets shed once and for all. Um, I never thought he was an injury-prone guy, but I do think he's a kind of player that he has a lot of soft tissue injuries. Um, and you got to kind of be careful with those kinds of things. That's usually like you know the Ferraris. you got to kind of make sure that they – they get the rest here or there. Um, I think Dalvin's going to be a guy that might have to cut back his workload just to hear a hair. But what you might see is him involved even more in the passing game as a result of that. Well, that's the big key. It drove me crazy last year, the lack of screens that they would throw to Dalvin Cook. Because to me, especially with that offensive line, the way that offense functions, it should be there all day, every day. And I guess unless you're built like Derrick Henry, I guess you're going to be a little bit leery that when you draft one of these running backs that aren't quite built like a tank, maybe, maybe soft tissue injuries could be more of a problem. What do you think, John, about Dalvin? Uh, you won't meet a bigger Dalvin Cook fan. I, I love Dalvin Cook, like uh, like you were saying, from FSU. To me, he was one of the first guys. I remember when me and Brian were starting the podcast, uh, he was coming into the league, and we were uh, writing articles for Belly Up. And, and I think one of my first articles was about Dalvin Cook and how I thought he was going to really overperform at the next level. And you look, he everything he has is just intangible traits. His vision's amazing. Uh, his footwork is is flawless. I mean, he he's a, a we say all the time his speed kills. I mean, he's great. And so for that, fantasy production just tends to follow. I'm not worried about offensive line. I'm not worried about anything else. You know, he's so talented. He's to me like a Tyree kill, but at running back, where it's like he's so talented. Whatever happens, he'll make it work. And so if he keeps getting the touches and keeps getting the volume, which I, I assume he will. I mean, he was only second to Derrick Henry last year, so uh, there's no reason why he shouldn't see another 300 touches. 
yeah, he's going to be totally fine. I, I love him for fantasy. He is um, arguably one of my favorite redraft assets. I love him. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. Clint Kubiak, Lamar, what, what do you, does that change anything just because it went from father to son? Nothing? <laughs> it doesn't change much for me. Uh, I agree with Dowhower's sentiment that he does need to see his rushing uh, workload cut back a little bit, but I also agree with John. I think any, any loss that you see or any regression that you see in his rushing workload, he's going to make up for in the receiving game, uh, especially because the Vikings defense can't hold anybody. They got Swiss cheese on every level of their defense, so – I can see the Viking. I mean, I can see the Vikings falling behind in a lot of games, and as a result of that, Dalvin Cook not getting uh, necessarily as many rushing attempts and seeing more action in the receiving game. But I don't really think the addition of Clint Kubiak is going to really change much in that Vikings offense. It's pretty stamp out where it is in my eyes. I'll throw this out there real quick. Does is he is he better than Gary Kubiak? The way money think Kyle Shanahan is better than Mike Shanahan as a play caller now. Ooh. I don't too know. Too early to tell. Too, too early to tell for me right now. I gotta say, it is too early to tell. But that, that's kind of something yep. they're putting out there a little of bit. Course. Just kind of, kind of curious to see. We just saw it happen with Shannon. So, yeah, exactly. Let's talk about. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about James Robinson in a second. I want to get to Miles Gaskin because the Dolphins just signed Malcolm Brown. Which, whatever. Either they're drafting somebody or they actually do plan on going in the next season with Miles Gaskin and. Funny thing about him, every single game he started in, he played in, he finished in the top 36 as well. That's why he's the last guy up there at 100%. Does Miles Gaskin get another chance, and does he continue to perform on the level that he was, or was that a mirage? Uh, he just kind of caught lightning in a bottle from last season. Uh, Lamar, we'll start with you. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if Miles Gaskin's going to get the same kind of volume that he saw last season with the Dolphins. Um, he was a bit of an inefficient runner, not too bad. I believe he did average over four yards a carry, but there's some injury concern. Uh, he missed six games last season, albeit two of them were from uh, due to COVID-19 protocol. Um, he offers some upside as a receiver. He had six games with five-plus targets last season. And um, if Miami lands Deshaun Watson, that could be a whole different story because they might use Gaskin in some crazy ways. But I just feel like it's too crowded of a backfield to really rely on Gaskin this year for fantasy purposes. What do you think, Adam? If he uh, – I wouldn't touch him right now. But if he is the apparent starter post-draft, I, I would be I would be high on him. I think he is talented. He was a little inefficient at a runner. Uh, as Lamara mentioned, I think it was 4.1, uh, Kerry. But – I'm not too concerned with that. I think he's just fine enough, and I think that they're going to have to rely on the run game enough that uh, if he is the apparent starter come um, you know sep- August September, I-, I would be I would be in on him. But I I feel like they're going in a different direction. If I if I'm being honest, I have a feeling that they'll be going for one of the top running backs in the draft. Yeah, Dahar, do you buy for a second that Miles Gaskin's going to be the starter with a Malcolm Brown stealing goal line touches as it would set up as of now on that depth chart? In all honesty, I have no idea what to expect from Miami this year. You got a change in the coaching staff overall, offensive coordinator. Um, I was, I, to everybody's point, I, I would hire Miles Gaskin if he's the top starter in the backfield, but how the backfield materializes or how it unfolds or even the usage. We're not guaranteed we're going to have a bell cow back in the Miami backfield like we had last year. Um, so that's where I'm kind of curious to see how that unfolds. And while I think Miles Gaskin's a serviceable player, I think talent-wise, Miami could definitely upgrade if they want to with their draft capital. Um, and as free agency kind of unfold, continues to unfold, I think that there should be even more than a Malcolm Brown as a possibility 
of stealing carries from him. Well, even think about last year, it wasn't necessarily they had a bell cow. It was who was healthy at the time. It was it was Miles Gaskin <laughs> one, a few weeks. Then it had to be Salvin Ahmed. Then they even had to mix in Matt Breida. So maybe if they were all healthy, we would have seen some sort of carousel. I don't even think we've got to see that because nobody was actually healthy that entire time. John, what are your thoughts on what the Dolphins do? What are your thoughts on, on Miles Gaskin himself? So it's funny you brought it up. What I was going to bring up is I don't think we know exactly what they want to do. I don't think they want to have Miles Gaskin carry the ball and be the workload. I don't think they want one running back to do it. I have a feeling uh, they want to run by a committee. Most offenses do. So it makes sense to me that you bring in Malcolm Brown, uh, somebody who counters well with Miles Gaskin. Um, I-, I think that that's, again, Dolphins are going to go into this season with those two guys. That's like a backup plan. They're hopefully going to address this in the draft, and they're going to hopefully figure something out there um, or maybe make a trade at the draft, figure something else out. But they're not going into – I can guarantee you the Dolphins are not sitting down saying, running back's all set. We're good. Let's move on. They (laughs) need to – you know, they need to figure else something else out. They have two competent starters but not – I mean, competent pros but not like workload starters. I'm just I'm noticing a trend with the Dolphins right now. Their first one of their first signings last year was Jordan Howard. Now this year it's Malcolm Brown. Yeah, just just trying to find somebody who falls in the end zone. Dow Howard, what were you gonna say? I was just gonna say I was gonna point out you kept you kept saying the number two or two two running backs. They have two coaches calling plays this year, so that's <laughs> yeah. also gonna be interesting to see how that kind of unfolds and who uh, personnel wise is prefer, mm. preferred for each coach. Does, mm-hmm. does the saying remain true? If you what, like, it does with two quarter. If you have two quarterbacks, you have none. If you have two offensive coordinators, you have none. <laughs> I mean, we haven't really seen it too much. There's passing coordinators, so I guess in some senses we do kind of see it. But I two play callers is going to be interesting. All right, the last guy that we're going to talk about just as an individual, and we'll start lumping some of these guys together. I want to talk about James Robinson's individual. He's the last guy who was 100 percent finished the top 36 every time he played. They just traded DJ Chark for Orlando Brown, so they just um they just put put a lot of girth there into the offensive line. We know they're drafting Trevor Lawrence, although Urban Meyer still likes to play at Coy for some retarded reason. It's it's James Robinson. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over fifty years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things: customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Was he a flash? I mean, uh, Lamar, I mean, we'll start with you on this one because you just had an article about this a couple of weeks ago. I- is he a flash in a pan? Is he a one-year wonder? Is he worth a pick for next season? I worry about James Robinson being a one-year wonder. Um, he, I feel like he's going to see stack box. I mean, he saw stack boxes throughout the season last year, and he still produced, which was impressive. But I do feel like you said it was a flash in a bottle kind of thing. Uh, the addition of Trevor Lawrence or uh, 
could through the draft could really balance the offense out. Uh, he won't see as many stack boxes as he did with Mike Lennon under center. But the Jacks have a pretty weak offense overall. They have a pretty weak receiving corp. So I don't. I still even with the addition of Trevor Lawrence or whoever they take in the draft this year, I don't see that offense really being elevated that much and being able to sustain, you know, have have sustained production, move the ball down the field. So I do worry that James Robinson is going to see some regression this year, for sure. He came out of nowhere. He's going to be a new quarterback. He's a new coaching staff. John, what do you what do you see for James Robinson? Is he the real thing? I think he earned himself a chance. I think he certainly earned himself a chance for 2021. Um, I'm not super thrilled in Dynasty. I'm not going out and grabbing him anywhere like that. But I think that he showed himself enough to that that they should give him a chance, and and they absolutely will. I mean, they brought in Carlos Hyde, uh, and Carlos Hyde is someone who's a veteran back that's not really gonna you know dominate a backfield. He can he can help out in a backfield. He knows the offense. He knows the offense. We saw him when we just saw James Robinson do all that with about 250 carries. So you got to ask yourself, is that where you see James Robinson? And that's kind of where I see him about 250 carries in an offense. Um, You know, again, if he has another great season like this or builds on it, then who knows? Maybe they give him a longer leash. Maybe we, you know, something happens, but they just, again, he earned himself a shot. And now you have to ask yourself, do you think he can rise to that occasion? I think he can. I mean, his yards per carries don't worry me. I thought he was a, a quick sort of slippery little guy. He could get in and out of holes pretty quick, not breakaway speed, not really fast, but fast enough. Um, you know, I put him in again. I, I like him for 2021. Who knows? They could totally change this offense via the draft. They could totally change things around. Um, but I think for now they're going to use James Robinson and see what happens in 2021. So he's got the job for at least a year. I like your sentiment that he earned the right to at least have that position for one more year. Dowhower, you and I have talked about this off air. We question whether or not this coaching staff really buys into having James Robinson as their long-term future just because of some of the comments that seem to come out of Urban Meyer's mouth when he talks about James Robinson. What is your feeling when it comes to him? I mean, I do have those concerns because I I don't know what Urban Meyer's view set of James Robinson is, Um, but James Robinson, the player overall, you saw a lot of his skill set he kind of translated from. He had Northern Illinois to what you saw in the pros last year. He's a good, solid all-around back, and he runs hard. And the running hard part was the key where he, he I think, is amongst the leaders in broken tackle percentages last year. So it wasn't some flash-in-the-pan kind of thing. It's more so this guy can run. We kind of saw something similar with Chris Carson a few years ago. Um, I'm curious to see if he could kind of have a similar trend as long as he's healthy, as long as he's out there. He gets a chance to kind of produce, like as we kind of pointed out, he's earned that right. And with the running style that he has and down where in that kind of remains to be seen offense, um, I do think that he's going to get a, a good share of the touches because I think that traditionally Urban Meyer likes to have that hammer back that he can kind of run downhill with and have, you know, get production out of. And I think last year we saw him basically have nothing helping him as a quarterback. Um and very few receivers out there quite often from week to week. So and still produce. Um, top five going into the year, you thought Jacksonville running back was going to be top five, and it wasn't Fournette. Nobody would have believed you. Even no. if it was Fournette, they wouldn't have believed you. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was, I was like, no one had him going out of high either, and the production would have been there. A- Adam, James Robinson, g- give, give me the dynasty tape. What, are, are, you, are you buying on him? Uh, I mean, it depends on how the owner values him. Uh, given most owners kind of over overvalue their own players, probably not. But if someone's uh, getting scared of some of the like the comments that you guys have been saying, I, I would I would go in on it. 
Um, to me, and John, you kind of mentioned this a little bit, that Carlos Hyde signing, and I could be overthinking it, but that to me is like reason to celebrate if you're a James Robinson owner because it they, they've been saying, oh, we're going to bring in another back, we're going to bring in another back, and it was a back that uh, Urban Meyer had at Ohio State. It was a back that he had familiarity with, probably be a leader on the team, but not someone who is going to take a significant amount of carries from James Robinson. Um, all the depth behind James Robinson on that team was either banged up or not very good. So, yeah, he will probably lose some carries, but hopefully that just ups his efficiency and, you know, helps him out as a runner uh, long-term and, you know, get the yards per carry up. And if the offense is actually, you know, competent, maybe he'll be in more <laughs> scoring positions. And that could also play – and you, I think you hit the nail on the head when you say the fact that they signed Carlos Hyde goes back to John's point of it ensures that at least for 2021 he's going to get that opportunity because we're not worried about Carlos Hyde usurping his job in any kind of capacity. Jonathan Taylor, Alva Kamara, Ezekiel Elliott. Rank those three for me, John. Um, I think you just nailed it. Jonathan Taylor, Alvin Kamara, <laughs> Ezekiel Elliott. I think you just kind of – yeah, that's exactly how I'd rank it probably. Uh, Kamara may be a hair if we're doing just redraft. It might be ahead of JT, but I don't know. No, you could probably put, put it just in that order. Yeah. So how concerned are you with the quarterback change um, in New Orleans? Um, again, I'm not, there's again, we talk about talent. We talk about, you know, we talked about it with Dalvin cook where you're just a supreme talent. You can make things happen on your own. Alvin Kamara is that guy. We saw his fantasy numbers go down a little bit with Taysom Hill. I think it was just sort of other factors that were, you know, burying in and people just use the Taysom Hill excuse as an easy excuse. Um, but look, Alvin Kamara should be a top 10 guy. Cause he's, he's that good in the passing game. He's that electric with the ball in his hands. So um, it it should concern you because Drew Brees was he's going from a Hall of Fame quarterback to who knows what. So it's obviously not an upgrade, but it's not going to be significant enough to scare me away from Alvin Kamara. Ultimately, I agree with you. When Taysom Hill started playing, while we didn't see Kamara getting thrown the ball, we saw his carries go up. Mm -hmm. Does that does that change the value? Can he still hold it at him? Yeah, uh First of all, I agree with the ranking. Um, and second of all, I think with an offseason of under of planning for life without Drew Brees, I think that they'll figure out how to make Alvin Kamara work in an offense that does not have Drew Brees. It was something that they were kind of doing on the fly last year, figuring it out as they went, just trying to win games. So when Drew Brees got back, they could try to contend. Now they've got a few months, whichever quarterback they're going with, figure it out how they're going to use Alvin Kamara best. I'm knowing that we were going to talk about Alvin Kamara. I'm a little bit surprised that Dow Howard doesn't have four one painted on his face. <laughs> I already know what your thoughts boy. are. But what, what's your thoughts on Kamara and the new quarterback situation? I mean, I'm actually a little excited, more excited for him with a quarterback change. Um, I love Drew Brees, and he's definitely a Hall of Fame quarterback. Having said that, the ability to push the ball down the field was lacking, and I think having some kind of more of a vertical threat is key for Sean Payton right now because one of the things that happens to Kamara, I think as John Connor was pointing out, the other factors leading in, I think quite often their, their offense gets stale. Um, and a lot of that's because a lot of their offense is option routes for Kamara out of the backfield and Michael Thomas running you know, a post or a go. Um, so I think that I look at that offense that needs to be kind of more, if it be, can be a little bit more vertical, I think that opens up things more for Kamara and you might see, as John pointed out, like he's one of the most I love him because the guy can take he's exposed from any every facet and the balance the man has is incredible. Um, I think that you're gonna see 
you saw kind of bounce back Kamara this year from the past year. I think you continue to see that even even more present. I think he becomes the face of New Orleans kind of moving forward, actually. Lamar, what's the difference between Jonathan Taylor and Alvin Kamara for 2021? I would say the biggest difference is that Kamara is a bigger receiving threat. And, um, you know, the, we all know that the statuesque type of pocket quarterback that's going out of style in the NFL nowadays. And I think Sean Payton, he's always liked to use Taysom Hill in some some pretty gadget ways. So I feel like this season with uh, he's going to find some really creative ways to get uh, move the football using Alvin Kamara and Taysom Hill uh, on the ground. So comparing, um, comparing Kamara to Jonathan Taylor, I don't see Jonathan Taylor being as big of a receiving threat in the Colts offense. So I still am going to put uh, Kamara over Taylor this season. Where's my alarm button when I need it? So you have Taysom Hill definitely starting over Jameis Winston. I mean, that's that's the way I just that. <laughs> I think so. I think if he didn't start last, if, if Jameis didn't start last year, that was it. That was the audition. It's a wrap. I think he's going to roll with Taysom Hill. That's the Ooh. guy he knows. That's the guy he loves. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll circle back to that at some point in the season. I don't want to get too far off track. <laughs> let, let's Real quickly from everybody. Zico Elliott, does he bounce back with Dak back and the offensive line possibly healthy? Or was what we saw last year the beginning of the end for Ezekiel Elliott? Dak, how are we start with you? If the offensive line is healthy, I think you see Zeke's Zeke stuff again. Um, but part of that equation is he didn't look like he was in the best shape to me last year. Um, I don't know if there was something wrong off the field or was going on necessarily why he wasn't as focused last year, but it did seem like he wasn't as explosive, even beside the line, not opening holes he for him. Fat. He just didn't have that second gear. He, I mean, yeah, basically. Um, and I think this year he kind of has to realize that if he doesn't do well this year, that could be the last year he eats for a while, because it, I think if Dallas moves on from next year, there's not going to be a big market for a guy who's out of shape and didn't produce in Dallas. No, that, that, to Marco Murray. The neck was a little wider. The beer belly was a little bigger. <laughs> Adam, what are you thinking about Ezekiel Elliott, man? Uh, yeah, I want to answer both of your questions with a resounding yes. I do think he bounced backs, and I do think it's the beginning of the end. I, I think, <laughs> uh, I think he can probably return to being an above four yards per carry and above a thousand yard running back. Uh, with assuming Dak's ankles fine and like everything's cool there and that the offensive line can get back to shape. So we're assuming a lot of things here. But I think all of those things considered, I think he takes a step back. Or a, a step, yeah, he'll return to form. But I do think we're starting to see the beginning of the end with him. He's 26, getting close to 27, just getting up there for a running back, has had a ton of carries both in college and in the pros. Uh, and he's starting to get out of shape as you get older. Getting back into shape gets a little harder. I don't think he's the premier running back that he once was, but I do still think he can return to being like a top 12-ish guy. Marty, I want to I want to address Marty Joins' comment. Thank you for joining the show there, Marty. Uh, here's the problem with Zeke taking a backseat to Tony Pollard this season. He's making too much money. They're not going to have him take a backseat to Tony Pollard when he's getting paid that way. Now, you want to buy Tony Pollard in Dynasty for 2022? That's 100% the way to go because – Look, I, I, Adam, I love what you just said. Yes to both. I think 2021, redraft-wise, I think Ezekiel Elliott will still finish as a top 12 running back. He'll still be an RB1. I think we'll see him get back to that. I think he'll be more consistent. As far as Dynasty goes, though, no, I think this is it. I don't, I don't, even if he has a great year, I think this is the last year with the Dallas Cowboys. I think they're ready to move on to Tony Pollard. Lamar, quickly, what do you think? 
Yeah, I was going to say, Marty beat me to it. I was going to point out this uh, last season was the first season of Pollard's career where he got over 100 carries. And while I don't think that he's going to uh, necessarily, that Zeke is going to necessarily take a backseat to Pollard, I do see Pollard cutting into his workload enough where it should raise a lot of red flags for people thinking about taking Zeke in fantasy this year. Um, Zeke had a lower rushing yards output last year than he did in uh, 2017 when he only played 10 games due to injury. So uh, suspension, actually, I'm sorry. So it's also a match with a career high in fumbles. He fumbled six times last year. So you see ball security being a little bit of an issue. So all these factors, all these things factoring in, even with Dak back and the offense being more potent, obviously, with Dak under center than Andy Dolan, um, I still think Zeke is going to uh, regress a little bit more in fantasy this year. So I'm staying away from him. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Let's let's we got to move into we'll finish out our top 12. Uh, we're going to skip Mike Davis because uh, yeah. Josh Jacobs, he just lose. He just lost. I don't know what four fifths of his offensive line. Maybe all yeah, five. I have no idea. Crazy. Gurdon Gurdon's on his little Chucky tear and does, does what Chucky does best. And, uh, I love Josh Jacobs. I think he's a phenomenal talent. I think he would be great if they actually ever threw him the ball. And now I find myself, I wonder if he's ever going to get over 3.5 yards of carry. John, what are you seeing? Uh, listen, you you kind of alluded to it. it it's interesting because he profiled as a pass-catching back coming out of college, and like that was one of his best skill sets. And we don't really get to see it much in, in I almost said Oakland. Uh, we don't get to see it much in Las Vegas. And, and that really sucks because – that's again where we come up with that consistency. That's where you're going to get that floor. That's where it's going to be a little bit more comfortable starting Josh Jacobs every week. I know when you put Josh Jacobs in your lineup, there is that fear that he is going to absolutely lay an egg every time. And there's also the chance that he has a good week, which is great. So, you know, that's going to depress his value constantly for fantasy football. I think it's weird, the lack of utilization in the passing game. I think it's uh, an interesting you know, sort of how they use them in general. They just kind of rush them up the gut. They don't really give them in space. They don't really let hands. And so um, until they figure out the best way to unlock Josh Jacobs, you're just going to get this, you know, two with a little bit of upside, you know, every week. And that's what kind of sucks because he should be more. You watch him and you're like, this should be a much better fantasy asset than it is. I think the Raiders offense in general is going to be absolutely butt next year. Yeah. I, what are you thinking, Lamar? Yeah, I bought into Josh Jacobs last year, and I'm not going to say I regretted it because he had some big games. The volume is there. Uh, John Gruden has that old school mentality, pound the football. Jacobs had four games last year with 25 or more carries, but he also had a really tough couple of games, like seven carries for 27 yards against Atlanta. I think it was week, t- uh, week 10 or 12, something like that. 
And he had 10 carries for 17 yards week seven versus Tampa Bay. So those are two weeks that clearly Josh Jacobs probably lost you your fantasy matchup. And uh, he's got to lay off the booze. Kids do not drink and drive, especially if you're an NFL <laughs> money back. Don't do it. It's bad. So you're looking at off the field issues too. Might be a concern for this guy going forward. You know, it's kind of a slippery slope. So I'm not super high on Jacobs this year at all. It's kind of hard to be. And yeah, and to point that out, um, I want to put this PSA out there. If you're an NFL millionaire, hire somebody <laughs> to drive. For the love of God, it's not yeah, complicated. Hire me. I'm available. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's not a complicated there there's, there's Uber. You can afford your own personal driver. I never understand how they find themselves in these situations. It's the drinking and then having the gun stashed away in the glove department box <laughs> blows my mind how often that happens. Uh, Adam Dowhower, quickly, back-to-back. Jacobs, where are you at? I don't understand any of the things that the Raiders, or yeah, that the Raiders do, really, just in general, I, I think that can be my statement. I don't understand what's going <laughs> on in Las Vegas. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> what do you think, Dar? I have Adam's answer. It's called John Gruden. We saw this in Tampa. I mean, he did the same thing. How many people went crazy with Warren, Warwick Dunn, and Mike Allstott? How many people went crazy with Cadillac Williams? Um, the guy just seems to figure out how to just manufacture issues out of nothing and then get rid of the offensive lineman and then have a quarterback controversy that shouldn't even be there in the first place too. So I don't know how long this is going to last, but yeah, it's Oakland and or it's Las Vegas and hopefully Jacobs gets his chance, but I'm not really super excited about it. I bet Vegas right now probably wish it was Oakland with the outlook that they're about to have pretty soon. <laughs> We're going to skip Chris Carson because right now he doesn't have a team. So it's going to be kind of hard to see what he exactly he's going to project out to. I think he's going to be a great back no matter where he goes. I know they talk about the Patriots are after him a little bit. We'll get into that somewhere down the line when he actually signs. Let's talk real quickly about Austin Eckler. You have a new coaching staff there with the Chargers. Uh, I have to imagine, though, he's, he has a particular skill set, a particular set of skills that I think don't go to waste. Absolutely. And it's going to be the question of who do they get to pair with him? Does he keep his role? Uh Adam, we'll start with you. Where do you see an Austin Eckler next season with the new regime? I love it. They're, Joe Lombardi's talking about him like Alvin Kamara and Reggie Bush and all of those great receiving uh, running backs that he's had in New Orleans. And I, that's what he's great at, and I, I love it. I'm very excited, especially for PPR for him. And as I said earlier, I think you can get maybe a little bit longer out of uh, a running back if that's their, their strength. So in terms of dynasty, I, I think he's a, a hold or a buy. Yeah, I mean, that that's the fact that they hired Joe Lombardi is where I was just like, all right, Eckler's still going to get his 100 <laughs> targets. Everybody, nobody panic, nobody panic. But does that make him an RB1, John? Uh, to me, yes. Uh, to me, for sure, because it gives you that floor. Um, and then Even, let's say it's half point PPR. Let's not say it's full point. Let's say it's half point, half point PPR. PPR. Again, I think it's still... He's sniffing in that low. I haven't done my rankings yet, but he's in that low RB one, you know, territory with that. I have to do the projections out and figure it out. But I, I would assume because of that, you know, the passing floor that he's going to have. Again, I, I like the Chargers' offense. I like Justin Herbert. I think they're going to move the ball well. I think they're going to be very efficient, and that usually lends well to running back numbers. That usually lends well to them in our algorithm that we do with the FTLS. So. I have a feeling he's going to come out pretty high in our grading system. So I like him a lot. So I would take him totally fine having him as your RB1. If you wait, if you're in the back of the first or even in the second, wherever he's sneaking, 
um, and you can grab him and, and run with it. A dynasty, yeah, he's a young guy tied to a rookie of the year quarterback. What else you want? If you're thinking outside of if you're thinking outside of two three years in dynasty, you're you're thinking way too much. So yeah. uh, I think I think for three years, you know, he is as solid as it comes. So no, that is a fantastic point because I cannot tell you how many times I get in these conversations with these dynasty people who are like, well, he's going to be you know 27 in six years from now. I'm like, well, what, what does that matter? <laughs> yeah. Leagues don't last. Listen, I've been around the block. Leagues don't last that long. (laughs) You'll be like, what dynasty are you in that actually last past year three? I'd like to know. Uh, Dow Howard, is there a running back out there the Chargers could potentially bring in? Because we we all figure, I would think that some they're going to bring in somebody that would worry you about Austin Eckler's value and where you would have him at. I mean, the only thing that would worry me is if it was like another prestigious pass catcher. Otherwise, I think that his role's been pretty solidified. Whether it's a hammer back or not in the backfield, it doesn't really matter. He's able to produce because of the sheer just volume he gets between the passing game and the running game. And I don't think he has to depend on just the passing game, which I think people kind of forget. It's not Danny Woodhead back there. No. Um, I think Austin Eckler can run. And I think that that Charger line hasn't been great for the last couple of years, and he's still been productive and had one of the better yards per carry. So I think that Adam, I think Austin Eckler definitely shows you that as John kind of pointed out, maybe back of the first round, late second, but he's stiff in that first that RB1 range because just because you know you put him in your lineup pretty much unlike Jones, um, you're going to – you know what you're going to get from week to week. I mean, Lamar, if – with Eckler – it was it was Alan Eckler, Alan Eckler, Alan Eckler. Every time Herbert went out there on the field, does that continue, or do they add another receiver? Does that take away enough targets where maybe maybe he starts pushing out to more of an RB two? What do you think about that? Going off of Dalhauer's point, I actually think that the Chargers' porous offensive line plays to the ability of Austin Eckler. Like the offensive line is breaking down, and and uh, Justin Herbert is looking for some kind of outlet. Austin Eckler is the perfect type of running back to play alongside him and catch those dump off passes and turn them into huge plays. So um, I would say that no matter who the Chargers bring in, in terms of whether it be a, uh, a receiver or it be a running back, even if it is uh, a running back that can catch the ball out of the backfield, I don't really see Eckler's role being changed in any way. Uh, the touchdown production is an issue, but that's really the only downside I see to his game this year. Yeah, and I can't disagree with any of that. Hey, I want to let you guys know that today's show is brought to you by Manscaped. And tomorrow, guys, tomorrow St. Patty's Day. And what they want you to know is that it is for pubs. It is not for your pubes. So Manscaped, the global leader for below-the-waist grooming, they have sponsored this show because they want you to know they have all the best tools for your ball trimming experience. If you plan on getting lucky this St. Patty's Day, then you need to use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com for 20% off and free international shipping also want you to know that anytime you make a purchase with manscape contributions are made to the testicular cancer society to bring awareness to testicular cancer men's health and early cancer detection so just use the promo code belly up fantasy at manscape.com for 20 percent off and free international shipping well now we got through the top 12 let's get to the 13 to 24 guys and let's talk about the main man, Derrick Henry. Now, I was a little bit surprised, especially some of the names that we saw in the top 12, that Derrick Henry, as far as his consistency goes, was finished 13% of the time outside of the top 36. Then we do this off of half-point PPRs where these consistency grades are, are off of. Is that always the con- Is that what keeps Derrick Henry most of the time, I think in a lot of drafts, outside the top five, uh, even in redraft leagues? Uh, what do you think, Dow Hauer? 
I think it does. I think every year everybody wonders, is he going to be involved enough in the passing game? What if teams play the eight-man box? How they're, What's going to happen? And sometimes he has those a stretch here, a game here, a game there, where he doesn't do so great, and he goes on that run. And that run is just like 152 touchdowns, 152 touchdowns. And that, that part is where it's hard to pass on him, and then you kind of people start regretting what, not passing on him and after that top five that you're kind of talking about. Well, it's not even just the passing, right? It's the fact that it doesn't kick in till winter. It doesn't kick in until it gets cold outside. It's the beginning of the season where you have to suffer with Derrick Henry as your RB1 until week five because he's not catching the ball and he's not always necessarily scoring. When that happens, you're sitting there with eight points. Am I right, John? Yeah, it's interesting. So uh, he was the one that I wanted to talk about, you know, a little bit because this whole thing is, you know, I like to look at stuff and say, why, you know, how did we get here? Well, what happened? And so Derek Henry had 378 attempts. That's 60 more than the close next closest guy. So you would think consistency wise, he's touching the ball more than any other running back consistency. He should be way up. So why is he's down so low? And again, it is because of that passing volume. When they get game scripted out, when, when things don't go right for the Titans, you don't see much Derrick Henry. And, and so that's the problem. And that's sort of the fear. Uh, you know, you have to ask yourself when, when they're winning and when things are going great for the Titans and when they go on a roll and they go on a little stretch, yeah, Derrick Henry's going to touch the ball 25 times and run people over because he's a man amongst boys. But that's not always the case. And so it's just interesting to me that the number one carry guy isn't the number one consistent guy. He's actually number 13. So I, I want people to start valuing pass catch and listeners listen in start valuing pass catchers a little bit differently understand that this smash mouth football is kind of getting taken away from the game it's a lot of passing it's a lot of these again a yard yards per attempt on a run are a lot lower than yards per attempt on a pass so you know even if you get half as many attempts in the air odds are your yards will be there so um it was just an interesting case for me derrick henry i can't i can't believe that he was that low i can and i can't uh, at the same time, because you look just on the raw numbers and you say, oh, yeah, he's got to be consistent. He's touching the rock all the time. And it's just not the case. And I'm, yeah. I'm not I am concerned about it, by the way. I, I am concerned about Derrick Henry for sure. No, I, I absolutely am, too. They don't have Arthur Smith anymore. Now, they're, they're trying to do the same thing by promoting Todd Downing from the tight ends coach and and hoping somehow they catches the same magic. But Lamaro, I mean, where are you? There's no Arthur Smith anymore. That to me, that has to play a role. Because he came out of nowhere. We didn't expect what we got out of Arthur Smith. But I do think that it will happen twice in a row. I think it's kind of a pipe dream. Right. Yeah, Derrick Henry is not the perfect running back. We see the sexy numbers. He was the only running back in the league last year to eclipse 2,000 yards. But Arthur Smith did what Derrick Henry doesn't do so well, and that's catch the ball out of the backfield for this Titans team. When Ryan Tannehill, when the play breaks down and Ryan Tannehill needs needs somebody to dump the ball off to, um, he can't necessarily do that so well to Derrick Henry. There are some times where he dumps it off and, and Henry makes a big play, but it's not his forte. So looking at them losing Arthur Smith, uh, you would think that they would try to bring in some guy to play on third down, when, uh, when, especially when they're behind in games and game script's not going in Henry's direction. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. 
Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. That is one thing I will say. They, they still have yet to bring a competent, complimentary back. Uh, Adam, w- Derek Henry, uh, w- what the hell? Yeah, uh, I think most of the important points have been um, touched on. If he's not getting 20 carries, you're pretty much screwed unless he gets a touchdown. I mean, that's just the reality of the situation. If he's not going 20 for 100, 150, you're just screwed unless he scores. Um, and and in terms of the Arthur Smith thing, Arthur Smith is a really smart guy. I really like him as a head coach. I think Atlanta's going to do good things. He seems like a guy that will uh, that will play to his players' strengths rather than just sticking to his one scheme. But I, I mean, I think whoever comes up after him would be dumb to not just feed Derrick Henry most of the time and do what Arthur Smith was doing. So I, I don't think that that should hurt him too much. In terms of dynasty, I'm getting a little scared because he's up there at 27, I believe. And as yeah, has been mentioned, he had almost 400 carries last year. But I mean, I feel like you kind of have to ride him until the wheels fall off at, at his current production, at least in terms of a, a full season. Well, here's what I'll say about Derrick Henry aging. At worst case scenario, the guy's 35. He could still be LeGarrette Blunt just because of the way he's built. So he'll always find, always find a way to fall into the end zone, uh, I believe. I put up the wrong graphic there. Let's get into, we're going to skip Ronald Jones because that is a, a situation in flux. we got to wait to see if Leonard Fournette winds up coming back, exactly what that's all going to mean and play out there. Antonio Gibson, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, let's lump them in. We talk about from a dynasty perspective, from a rookie going to a sophomore year perspective, which one of these guys is it going to be this season? Uh, we'll go. To, we'll kick this to Adam first. All right. I'm going to put it out here first. My my primary dynasty league, I am an Antonio Gibson owner. I am biased. However, hmm. I, I can't see him like – I think that that is the floor, what he did last season, um, barring injuries, of course, because that's once again, that's anyone. But his strength coming out of college was that he played – he literally played receiver in that Memphis. Like he was more a receiver than a running back. And then you saw Washington last season – using J.D. McKissick as their receiving back most of the time, and you was using Antonio Gibson as their actual running back. I can't imagine that continues to be the case because with another year with a full offseason, if, like if he hasn't figured out the receiving game at the pro level, then I, like, I don't know what to say because he somehow figured out the running game. Um, so I think his receiving stats will go way, way up, and even if his rushing stats stay exactly the same, that's a huge plus. Well, Adam, here's what I'll say to that. I believe it was more about the fact that Antonio Gibson was a poor pass blocker in his rookie season, and that's why you saw him kind of lean on J.D. McKissick. I would expect I would expect that that would improve into year two. What do you think, John? Uh, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think that's really where he lacked was uh, in pass pro. So that's one of the easiest ways to get pulled off the field in football, especially as a rookie. Um, they wanted to bring that veteran in to, to be able to keep the Alex Smith or whoever was back there upright. It didn't matter. Um, so I think that Antonio Gibson to me could have a explosion next year on a 
crazy proportion. If if things go right, if he can figure out pass protection, if he can figure out sort of uh, the pro game, we watched him do a lot of run outside schemes uh, that he was okay at, but not great at. He's got to get a little bit better at his in cuts and vision. Um, but he has the skill sets, the raw talent. He ran with power for a guy who I wasn't expecting to have as much power as he did. So yeah, I agree. He, there is there is a lot of stuff to like there on film. I think, again, it all needs to come together. We talk about toolsy quarterbacks, right? And and if everything kind of lands right for them, we see that Josh Allen type leap. He's a very toolsy running back. And if everything kind of stacks correctly for him and Washington takes a leap forward, at, as I think they will, because culture-wise, Ron Rivera's got a great culture in that building. I like to buy into that. I like to buy into teams that I think are on the rise. And to me, the Washington football team's on the rise. And so he could have the biggest sort of jump in dynasty from this year to next year. In my opinion, he's the one name that I think people will go, wow, he's a top five asset. And it's like, where did this come from? And that's what I think for Antonio Gibson is. So for you, it'd be Gibson over Hilaire. Yeah, for sure. I, I wasn't big on Hilaire coming into coming in. I really oh, wasn't. Thank you, John. I, I, I finally I'm, I'm found somebody. Sit, I'm not going <laughs> to sit here and say I was you know, this big Clyde Edwards, a Lair fan. And I didn't like him coming. He was fine. He was a good player. You know, he profiled to me as a, as a decent back. Um, very, you know, sort of, I don't know. Deion Lewis esque. Like he's a, very- will tell you this. My comp was that he's a better in between the tackles. James White, which sure. is why I was appalled. Appalled. <laughs> Yeah. This man went in the first round over DeAndre Swift. Could you imagine DeAndre Swift in Kansas City? That was the running back, Andy Reid. Jeez I know. Louise. I know. Now, Howard, just help me out here because I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> I think you're just drinking the haterade, man. <laughs> Clyde Edwards Hilaire was disappointing for a lot of people last year that took him early on and were expecting to have Green Hunt numbers right off the bat. They didn't get that. You also didn't get Andy Reid using the running game a whole lot last year either. Um, so I'm curious this year, as all the jump that everybody's kind of expecting for Aaron Gibson, um, I think that you're going to see a jump from Edwards Hilaire. And I think you kind of saw that he started hitting his stride until he got banged up a little bit there. I do think he has a special talent. I do think that the guy has an ability to get out of his breaks, sees the holes well. Um, reminds me a lot of like, Style, Maurice Jones-Drew in some senses, not as powerful as a low runner, but has more of that quick in, in and out the cuts and be able to hit different holes. Um, I think he's going to take off next year. I think we saw them rely overly on the passing game, and I think that they might have seen the Super Bowl that they got to get a little bit more diversified, especially if they can't just expect Patrick Holmes to drop back with a crappy offensive line and just throw it 90 times. Um, so I'm interested to see that he doesn't take the lead. Gibson, I'll be honest, I'm a little bit biased because I don't think he was that great coming out. Um, I do think he was a receiver, and you kind of see that when he runs with the ball, as John kind of pointed out. doesn't have great vision. Cutting ability is okay. He does run, runs a hell of an angle route. Give him that. And that could probably win a lot of weeks for you, especially in PPR leagues. Um, so I couldn't see the upside in him if he's out there. I knew the, pay, the pass protection was an issue with McKissick. Um, I also am curious to see that some guys get pigeonholed. A lot of guys were talking about earlier about Jacobs. I said Jones, but I meant Jacobs. We, we expected so much more out of him in Oakland, particularly in the passing game as he profiled out of college. And where is that? So a lot of guys just get pigeonholed in the pros. Uh, Dan and I are both Shane, Sony Michelle fans. And in New England, he never gets ball. So, I mean, as you we see, were Sony Michelle fans really coming out of college, college. Because we thought he would actually catch the ball. Catch the ball. <laughs> because that's what he did in college. <laughs> and, and then we was never allowed to when he got to New England. Yeah. <laughs> 
No, not at all. It was it was so Nick Chubb exactly. running. It was Tony Michelle catching. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> Lamar. The pros. Sometimes guys, coaches just stick guys in roles. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it does happen. It's hard to believe that Gibson would get pigeonholed. I'll say that much. And for Hilaire, I think he has more of a chance to get pigeonholed at, at some point. That, that, I mean, that, fair point. Lamar, Hilaire, Gibson, which one? What do you think? Uh, I think it's Gibson, and it's not even close. And it's not so much because I don't think that they're both talented players. Uh, I just think um, the play styles of the teams they play on are so different. You know, Riverboat Ron's really going to be leaning real heavily on um, on Gibson this season for Washington. They're a defensive-minded team. They're probably going to play in a lot of low-scoring games. Uh, the quarterbacks they have on their roster, one is uh, highly unproven in Heineke, and I believe they just signed Fitzmagic, who's a turnover machine. You know, he comes out with that 400-yard, four-touchdown game, but he turns the ball over a lot. So I think the best approach – for Washington, if they want to win this season, is to lean on the running game and the defense. So you're comparing that to the highly potent Chiefs offense that, as we've mentioned, we all mentioned Patrick Mahomes likes to drop back, throw the ball a bunch. I just don't see that team leaning as heavily on CEH as Washington's going to lean on Gibson. So I go with Gibson here. Yeah, I have Gibson ahead of Hilaire, too, for the simple reason of even though I, I think Hilaire's best attribute is him catching the ball out of the backfield, here's the problem. When your quarterback's back from Mahomes, he's not looking any shorter than 20 yards down the field. And we kind of <laughs> saw that last year, why he didn't get as many targets. So I think that's a big reason why. All right, Dowhower, 4-1, to one, Gibson to Hilaire over you. And we'll move on to the next one. We'll and we right. got – yeah, we will see who's right. Absolutely. we got to get some kind of um, – I don't know, some fun show bet here and kind of keep track of it and <laughs> kind of add that in that way too. I just that, want to ask a... everybody real quick. I just want to ask everybody quick. Aaron Jones and Williams last year. Who thinks Aaron Jones would be the better pass catcher and would have been the featured guy, but Williams didn't go away? I just say it's not a guarantee that it's what happens. That's all. No, that's a very, very yeah. fair point. Absolutely. The next three guys, let's lump them all together. DeAndre Swift, Joe Mixon, Miles Sanders, all have very interesting situations. Uh, Dower, since I made fun of you, we'll let you go first. (laughs) (laughs) How how would you rank those three guys? What are you looking at of those three guys heading into their prospective seasons going to 2021 and and maybe even beyond? I power rank them. uh, I like Mixon Swift, and I like like Sanders. Sanders reminds me of Gibson in a lot of ways. Um, I think that the work... I'm curious to see. That's why I'm a little skeptical with Gibson. Because I'm curious to see how being the feature guy, quote unquote, unfolds for the guy. We expected big things out of Miles Sanders last year, and and I frankly didn't produce for people. Um, so I I love uh, Swift moving forward this year. We talked about the Lombardi and the system he brought with him from New Orleans. You're getting a similar system uh, bringing me out to Detroit, um, and you got Anthony Lynn who also had Eckler last year. So you have a lot of different players. And a lot of people, I should say, from between Campbell and um, Anthony Lynn, who believe in throwing the ball to their back, using their running backs in as many ways as possible. So I love Swift moving forward, and I mix in to me, like I said, the top to top, because I think he has the best skill set. Uh, John alluded to before, like, you know, you always trust skills, and to me, the guy, the only thing that's hurting him right now is they don't throw him the ball enough. Now maybe somehow, some way, Gio Bernard Bernard finally goes away. Um, but I remember Todd Gurley having his breakout year for the Rams. We started getting the ball thrown to him, and I'm I'm curious to see if Mixon finally gets his opportunity this year. Yeah, I'll tell you the other thing going against Joe Mixon is the fact that Zach Taylor lies his butt off, and that's the other thing going against Joe Mixon. <laughs> well, yeah, that just makes you mad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Lamaro, rank those three for me. Tell me what you think. 
So I would put um, Joe Mixon at the top for sure. Uh, it was between, I'm sorry, it was between Joe Mixon, Miles Sanders, and who else? DeAndre Swift. Yeah, I would put Joe Mixon at the top for sure. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest issue with Miles Sanders is Jalen Hurts is going to tap into a lot of his carries, and then there's more competition in the Eagles' backfield. You know, you see Boston Scott and Corey Clement very involved, and uh, Sanders is easily the RB1. But you see a lot of them taking away carries. I know Giovanni Bernard taps into Joe Mixon's workload a lot more than he should. But the difference between the two scenarios for the two players is um, Sanders plays with a running quarterback who can throw, and I, I believe Mixon plays with a pocket quarterback who can run. So you're looking at uh, volume, and I just think Mixon's going to have uh, better opportunities in Cincy this year, and hopefully in an improved offensive line. I'm hoping they take uh, they hope uh, they take that lineman. What was it, Sene Powell? Penny Sewell. Take ten Penny Sewell. I'm sorry. Twenty off. Yeah, they need. They're going to need a few. Yeah. <laughs> John, what do you think, man? Uh, this is tough because I think all three we can admit are sketchy situations, right? Like, yeah, none of these sense. are comfortable. You're not. This is starting to get into the ilk of like, okay, these are really iffy picks. Uh, you know, probably in your three, four round range where a lot of running backs can can blow up in your face. At this point, I'm gonna go off talent. You know, I look at these guys and I say, look, I don't like Detroit. I don't like Cincinnati. I don't really like Philadelphia. I don't like any situation for a running back. So let me look at their skill sets and let me look at, you know, what I like out of them as a talent. To me, I think Joe Mixon, believe it or not, might be the most talented out of these backs. So I want to put him first. Uh, I think he's the most well-rounded. I liked him the most coming out of college. Um, And then, be honest, DeAndre Swift. I think DeAndre Swift has, you know, that potential to win you weeks. He has the potential we've seen to have uh, big games on small amount of touches, which is exciting. Um and then last is Miles Sanders. I, I don't know what that situation is going to look like with Jalen Hurts. That makes me super anxious. Like, I'm not going into any situation with Miles Sanders feeling comfortable. Um, I think he's going to lose some goal line touches to Jalen Hurts. I think he's going to, you know, lose a lot of rushing yards to Jalen Hurts in that offense. And I don't know if that offense is going to be that great anyway. So that's, um, yeah. that's kind of how I feel. And that's how I would break it down. So give me Mixon, give me Mixon, Swift, Sanders, but I don't really love any of them that's they all, how come, I they all come with a lot of risk they all come with a lot of baggage yeah. yeah um so i guess that leaves me um i think <laughs> i i think i'm a little higher on most on sanders i i think i'd i'll start it off i i, I would rank it it's the green shirt you're wearing yeah um <laughs> gotta be <laughs> i think mixon's the most talented and overall just situation wise i think i would at the end of the day, fantasy purposes, I would rank them Sanders, Mixon, or no, sorry, Swift, Mixon, Sanders. However, with Sanders, I like, I think Nick Sirianni is going to be good for him. I, I really do. I think um, if they, at worst case, they use him like they did Naheem Hines, but with more volume. And at best case, you can get a Marlon Mack situation. Uh, I just, I think they're going to run a lot. And I, even if, uh, Hertz gets into his carries a little bit. I, I don't think it'll matter that that much. I just think he'll have the, the volume that wasn't there with um, Peterson. But I think Swift, speaking of volume, will probably just unless they add someone else, which that's obviously a real real chance. Um, as things stand today, I think he his volume could just be crazy going into year two, and that's why I think I would have him over Mixon. I, I like where you're going with the point there. I think the head coach would have been great for Sanders had ownership not come out and said you have to make Jalen Hurts work. 
And I think that's that's where the issue is that, okay, you have to make Jalen Hurts work. Jalen Hurts is definitely going to be the starting quarterback for 2021. And that it, I echo those concerns with Hurts and Sanders. On top of, we talked about injury-prone guys. I don't believe for one second Sanders is a guy who can handle 250 touches. I just don't. I'm sorry. I, I don't think he's built that way. I, I just don't think he can do it. I didn't like him coming out of Penn State for that reason as well. Uh, I would rank, I would rank Mixon... Swift, Sanders, but it would be very, very close for me between Mixon and Swift because I believe, and I Dowhower knows this, I've been very, very high on Swift ever since he came out of Georgia. I believe he is a, I don't even say mini version, but almost a version of Dalvin Cook. When he is at his best playing, he is that explosive. He doesn't need... 20 touches to have a huge day because he's that explosive whether it comes to running the football, catching the ball out of the backfield, and he's going to get to do both. We saw it last year. This guy was really, really consistent, and he didn't start getting a heavy workload until later on in the season, but he was still performing in the top 36 for you, even though he was only getting maybe 10 touches because he had to deal with AP and everybody else and all the other stupid things Matt Patricia was trying to do. DeAndre Swift is going to be a guy who's going to look at 18 to 20 touches because he's going to get 14 to 15 carries with four to six targets every single game. And you give him that in space, an offense that's going to be designed around him. Like it's going to be with Anthony Lynn. You give him the great coaching stat that really does well for running backs on top of it. I really, really love DeAndre Swift. Joe Mixon is the more talented guy. If Joe Burrow's back, I think Cincinnati has a better offense and they'll have more chances to score. And they're going to have to score because if the offensive line improves, the defense ain't improving. Something's going to have to give there. There'll be plenty of opportunities there. So ultimately, I go Joe Mixon, but I really, really love DeAndre Swift. Let's kick it up here to our next couple of guys. And I want to throw these two on in the same loop because, well, they play for the same team. and They cut into each other. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. We'll talk about David Johnson in a little bit. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. Can the, both these guys continue to be RB2s? Is Nick Chubb, did he, given Nick Chubb's injury and that Kareem Hunt performed well but didn't take over the way people thought he would, are they going to go ahead and say, you know what, Nick Chubb is more likely the future. We're going to give him a little bit more than Hunt. We're not going to mix him in. Or are they just going to continue to play these guys side by side? They continue to both be top 24 plays on a consistent basis. What do you, what do you, what do you say, John? Um, I think they're going to keep going with what works. Um, we watched Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt work really well together. It was one of those things early in the season, you know, when they were sort of deploying them in tandem. It was it was great. We watched it. It was Nick Chubb would pound it in your face, and then Kareem Hunt would just slash right through your defense. So they have one of the best offensive lines in the league. Their run, their run game is great. Their run scheme is awesome. I think they're going to use both backs, and they're both going to be viable twos with upside that's kind of how you have to value these two guys i think nick chubb is gets the volume and cream hunt gets the passing work but they, they balance each other out almost perfectly i think they actually work really well in terms of real nfl they are two really good complementary backs i can't disagree with you there what, what, what do you think Dahar? I mean, I wish Nick Chubb was more involved in the passing game, but it seems like I don't think they're going to change anything they did right. last year. I know. Um, I think that, as as they kind of pointed out, that it's you're going to see no change from what you saw last year. Uh, it's going to be a game flow, basically, whether or not you're worried about who you have that week. Otherwise, they're both viable options. Nick Chubb's going to continue to be one of the best running backs with running the ball. I mean, the man's a beast, and he's, he's averaging, what, four or five yards per carry. And part of why he got his job 
initially was because he was ripping off 95 yarders with a rookie year. Um, so I think this is a guy that you see is just incredibly strong, incredibly gifted. Um, but with Kareem Hunt, as you know, John pointed out the running style, it is a great complimentary. And I don't see really why they would change it in any kind of way. Um, unless it's like I said, for game flow wise, when they're down by 20, Nick Chubb goes away. That's kind of how it works. Yeah, I love when Hugh Jackson was coaching that team in the front office. Like, you know what? We're going to trade Carlos Hyde, so you have to play Nick Chubb. <laughs> Good grief. It was like the money ball scene where it was like, no, you have to play him at first base because I traded away the other guy. Lamaro, what is, what is your take on this situation here for Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb? Are they both going to be guys that you're will? Are you willing to have both of these guys on your team next year? I'm willing to have both guys, both of these guys on my team next year because if Nick Chubb, knowing he has injury history, if Nick Chubb goes down with injury and you hope that he doesn't, but then all of a sudden Kareem Hunt becomes one of the top uh, running back options in all fantasy. John mentioned uh, the Browns have one of the best offensive lines in the league. Uh, they're blessed with two starting running backs in their backfield. One plays a complimentary role in Hunt. Uh, I think Chubb is the more reliable option just because he has a little bit higher volume and uh, Kareem Hunt's fantasy production is a little bit more dependent on game scripts. But you're looking at the situation, the Browns are a better team when Baker Mayfield's not throwing the ball 40, 50 times a game. They're a better team when he's throwing the ball 20, 25 times a game. And he's a better quarterback when that's the situation. So I think the Browns are going to continue, like John said, continue to go with what works and uh, what they do works well. So, Yeah, I heard somewhere today on social media, somebody was trying to say Ben Roethlisberger was the worst quarterback in the AFC North. And I'm like, stop drinking the Baker Mayfield Kool-Aid, please. Uh, Adam, these these two guys, let, let's take it from the dynasty perspective Obviously, Chubb is a little bit more value, but are you trying to have both these guys maybe the idea that, I don't know, maybe Kareem Hunt does move on to another team next year? Um, I mean, I, I if I don't have them both now, I wouldn't buy one of them, but I have no concerns if I do have both. Uh, uh, Lamar put it pretty well in that they're like the ultimate uh, handcuff in that like if one goes down, the other one immediately becomes like a top-tier RB1. And then otherwise, you have two very good RB2s. I, I can live with that all day. I, I think my frustration here is that, especially after watching last season, not that I think Kareem Hunt's bad. Do not get me twisted. But to me, Nick Chubb is clearly better. Nick Chubb is clearly the superstar of the two. And while they do complement each other, I agree with everything everybody said here. I, I just would love to see Nick Chubb, one, like Dowhower said, actually be allowed to catch the ball because he can catch the ball. And, and two, just get more work than Kareem Hunt when they get into the goal line situations. Because it's... It's very, very clear Chubb is the better goal line back, but they have this thing where if it's you know Hunt series, he's not coming out, and I think that's a that's, that's a mistake, and that kind of frustrates me a little bit. But ultimately, I do agree with you guys here. Let's move into let's put all these last three running backs in the top twenty four together because they all kind of fit together. Uh, and if I could actually ever get this thing up, there we go. David Johnson, Kenyon Drake, James Connor. Yeah, just a slew of like, look, these guys finished the top 24 consistency. This is how many times they, they almost 80% for all of them were in the top 36. My mind's blown. I, I can see on the look at your faces, your guys' minds are blown. But this is what we were looking at here. I don't want to touch any of these situations. What, what about you, Adam? We'll start with you. What are, what are you looking at here? I'm looking at some names that I really don't like. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean... It's hard to pinpoint because uh, I believe as of now, Kenyon Drake and James Conner are looking for homes. And David Johnson, I'm hoping, is a backup. <laughs> I, well, not. As a Colts fan, I'm not. But as a fan of the NFL, I am. 
Uh, I don't know. I I think that the three of them have very little value dynasty wise and redraft. I mean, maybe towards the end of the draft, but they're like they're not seeing them in the top twenty four is kind of shock. Like not that shocking, especially with David Johnson, given he was a, like the RB one. But yeah, no, I'm not excited about any of those three. <laughs> what about you, Lamar? Do you see? Let's say let's take it from the Kenyon Drake James Connor instance because we kind of know what David Johnson's walking into. Is there a team out there that either one of them could go to that would maybe make you interested again? It's tough. James Connor, maybe just because of the age, he's a bit of a younger player. Um, I'm just I'm looking at Kenyon Drake, and it's kind of what you see is what you get with him. Uh, James Connor, I feel like has a little bit more potential. He's showing a little bit more flash than Drake did back in his years in Miami, and definitely more than he did in Arizona. He had that four game stretch where he went crazy, and past that, Kenyon Drake wasn't really much of anything on the Cardinals. So I'm looking at these two guys, and and I'm not really seeing much for either one. Uh, I'm not really sure that I'm looking at either of them for any sort of fantasy purposes this year, regardless of the format. Dowhower, how much is uh, David Johnson going to excel with uh, Mark Ingram next to him and no Deshaun Watson and the poorest offensive line? and <laughs> David I mean, Cullen's neck <laughs> I think, well, first of all, for poor David Johnson, the offensive line has been an issue for the last like, five years. Poor guy in Arizona. No matter where he goes, guys yeah. up the middle behind nothing. <laughs> um, I think because he kept his he restructures his deal, David Johnson will probably be the bell cow back in the backfield. Ingram got a one year three million dollar deal, maybe still some touches in around the red zone. Um, I really don't think that you're gonna see much different production from David Johnson than you saw last year. Duke was pretty involved a lot more in the passing game a little bit, a little bit more third down. I think David Johnson's kind of plays more of those roles. And maybe you see Ingram play more of the short yardage roles David Johnson was playing last year. Overall, I think you see similar numbers that he had. Um, the other two guys, I think they can maybe fall into certain situations where maybe they, they... Bet Fred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things. Customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things. Customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Line up behind a guy who maybe gets banged up. We're talking about Philadelphia before and maybe who pairs up with Miles Sanders. Uh, the Charger we're talking about before who maybe pairs up with, pairs up with Eckler. I can see like a Connor and Eckler being a decent tandem that you have on your team or something like that. But I don't really see either one of those guys right now where there's a clear cut opportunity where you're like, I have to have them. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. John, what are you seeing when we when we look at these three in the top 24 in consistency grades? I'm not seeing much. I'll tell you that much. There's, <laughs> I, I think, you know, you kind of alluded to it, that David Johnson should be the most consistent again next year is what I, the other two don't have homes yet, right? And so right. that's really what you have to ask yourself is, do we think that these guys are, like, do we think, can we sit here and say Kenyon Drake is 100% an NFL starter? It's like, I can't at this point. I can't say that. So, um, Who's going to the Jets? 
Right. So I have no <laughs> idea. You know, I have no idea if he's going to James Conner to me, I think profiles more as a starter and profiles more as a bell cow. So uh, I think he will find a home and he will get a second chance. But I think we saw what we saw with that, you know, Kenyon Drake, he's sprinter fast. He's one dimensional. He can go North South, but that's about it. And, and, it's funny right now I'm going through and grading all these teams again, me and Brian are rewatching every game. Uh, we just finished up Atlanta. So we started with Arizona and that was the one thing I said to Kenyon. I was expecting to see more out of Kenyon Drake. And when I watched him, I'm like, Man, he's, he's fast. Like he's great. He's, but if he doesn't have the right scheme, he can't perform. And so I don't know if any team really wants to take that player on. Um, but again, if there was a place that he landed a place like, you know, with Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco, where we're all of a sudden you don't need vision. It's just the line and, and the scheme is so yeah. good that you Shanahan's just... like, there's the hole. He has, a, yeah. he has an arrow on the field. Like, there it is. There, it, go over that way. Go, Mostert, run that way. There you go. Yep. Mostert's a perfect comp. That's exactly yeah. who I think, you know, Kenyon Drake sort of is. And that's, and again, what is that? Is that in the league anymore? I don't know. So I have a feeling Kenyon Drake's going to have a and tough time finding a home. You guys, yeah. you guys laugh, but it's on the Jets. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if he lands on the Jets, I'm definitely out. I'm definitely out for fantasy. I'd rather he have no home than he <laughs> lands on the Jets. I'd at least be interested because there's 31 other options. <laughs> Look, I don't know. I, I We make fun of it, but I'm going to be honest. If they're going to run the Shanahan system, if they're going to be able to add to the offensive line with Mekhi Becton, if they're going to... Well, I would hope take Zach Wilson at quarterback. I'm not a Jets fan, by the way. I'm a 49ers fan. I want to make that clear before we go because usually you hear Jets fans going into little tirades, and I just want to make that clear. <laughs> uh, if they take Zach Wilson at quarterback and upgrade over Sam Darnold, those pieces for that system are in place. And whether it's a James Conner or a Kenyon Drake, I'm going to tell you what, my interest might get peaked just, just a little bit. Now, let's be real. If that happens, their ADP is redraft. It's going to be no better than the fourth round dynasty. You're going to probably get one of these guys in double digit rounds, maybe James Conner in the eighth round, just because he's a little bit younger. So it's not going to be crazy where you're taking them at, but I think there is a situation in which their value could be there. Now, does it look like a lot on paper right now? No, absolutely not. Cause there's very, very few fits where them having their value getting boosted up even means anything. And David Johnson, I'm like, look, I feel so bad for you. Mark Ingram's going to steal your touchdowns, even if you don't get stolen receptions. And I don't know who's throwing you the ball for you to catch the ball because I still don't believe it's going to be Deshaun Watson. So that's just a whole other situation in and of itself. We're going to get into the – we're going to close out the show with the 25 to 36. We're going to skim through some of those names and talk about that. But before we do, I do want to give another shout-out to our sponsor of the day, Manscaped. Along with St. Patrick's Day, it's also spring break time. And you know what that means. Spring break in your pants. Manscaped is here to ensure you that the party in your pants never stops. Even Veronica Corningstone wouldn't say no to this pants party. So for everyone preparing for a pants party this spring break, I have an exclusive 20% off discount for you to use. Just use the code BellyUpFantasy at Manscaped.com and you can get 20% off and free shipping get the perfect package 3.0 it comes with the essential lawnmower 3.0 waterproof cordless body trimmer and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your grooming routine this is the best trimmer on the market those of you who need a chest or ball shave is great for you because it's a third generation trimmer that features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin safe so keep yourself safe don't nick yourself up get the best in the world and get manscaped.com with promo code belly up fantasy for 20 percent off and free 
shipping. So let's go ahead and jump into our next group of running backs that we want to talk about for tonight's show. If I can ever put it up there, there we go. We just talked about Raheem Mostert. Let's let's lump him because you got Jeff Wilson Jr. there at 34, and you have two San Francisco 49er backs in the top 36 when it came to consistency grades. Both of these guys are going to be on the roster. We know that now they brought back Jeff Wilson. Raheem Mostert's going to be there for at least one more year. I don't know if they add anybody else. It looks like they're finally going to go ahead and get rid of Jarek McKinnon. Thank God. Tevin Coleman, goodbye. And I don't want to, I don't, Shanahan, don't add anybody else. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. You're giving me a headache. I want to be able to clue in who these guys are going to be. What are you guys seeing right now? Adam, we'll start with you. You know, uh, it, it was kind of mentioned earlier about the uh, the Patriots running backs, about how you can just, you just have to, ignore that team as a a spot for running backs. And I've begun to feel that way about the 49ers just because uh, on a week-to-week basis, depending on who's healthy or hot or whatever, there's just so many different running backs. And they all work out well because Kyle Shanahan, like you said, just gives them that little arrow and they go. And so on a team that anyone can, any running back can be, for the most part, can be successful and on a team that has, will just use random running backs at any given time, I, I for fantasy purposes, am kind of just out on the 49ers. Probably not a, a unsmart way to go, I, I would say. Right, Dowhauer? Oh, I, I totally agree. I mean, that's, that's probably when my – as a waiver would pick up each week, you always look to 49er backfield, but as a draft, I'm trying to avoid those with all, at all costs for the most part because usually it's too rich – for you to value any of the players where they're going. I, the good news is that because everybody gets hurt so often, they usually are a waiver pickup. <laughs> Lamar, exactly. what do you see when you look at the San Francisco backfield? What do you see? Raheem Moser, if let, let's say let's talk about redraft, let's talk about 2021, let's talk about if he's going in the in the eighth round, knowing that he has the capability to win you a particular week. Would you look at him somewhere in there, or do you think Jeff Wilson's going to have a much bigger role and really just cloud this thing too much? I think the latter. I do think Jeff Wilson is definitely going to cloud this backfield. I mean, the upside is that I think I could run through some of the holes that the 49ers <laughs> offense creates. And I'm not very fast, especially not as fast as Raheem Mostert or Jeff Wilson. But uh, so in terms of run- rushing production for this Niners team, you're going to see uh, the, the production on the ground. It's just a matter of who's going to deliver that production and at what time. It's There's nobody in this 49ers backfield that you can really point out and say they're going to be the consistent producer in this offense week in and week out. So uh, it's too cloudy for me to really uh, be interested in. And Adam said it best. It's shaping out to be a lot like the Patriots backfield of the last few years where you just it's like the golden rule of fantasy. Do not take a Patriots running back. And now it's starting to become the deal with the 49ers. I think Chris, I think Dahauer agreed so much that he went sideways on us. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take him out while he figures out what he's doing over there. John, are you touching anybody? Uh, yeah, I'll be honest. I, I actually like I like these assets. I think if they go into the season with just these two guys, right, everyone is going to have that mentality oh. of like, I don't want him, I don't want him, and he's going to be a landmine kind of falling down draft boards. And eventually he's going to have value. It, it, you tell me. 10th, 8th round, ninth round, I get Raheem Mostert. I can plug him in as a flex play. I'm not relying on him weekly. I can pick and choose the spots when I start Raheem Mostert. Then I'm totally fine with that. You know, I think that's kind of how I want to play it. I'm not going into it saying I need to rely on Raheem Mostert weekly. I don't want him to build my roster as my RB2. But if I can build out my roster and then I throw him on as maybe my first or second running back on my bench and I can pick the weeks that I want to play him, that's much more interesting to me. 
that to me is again, because then Jeff Wilson goes down or, you know, something happens and we get the wind that it's going to be a Raheem Mostert week and you go smash. Like this is going to be 25 plus points. I know it's going to happen because of Kyle Shanahan, because of this offense, because of the scheme. So that's kind of how I want to play it. I totally get it. Sometimes people in redraft think season and they think, they think all 16 games, I gotta, I gotta find someone who's going to be there for me all 16, but you can find value with guys who can blow up for little stretches. Uh, and so if you build your team out correctly, there is definitely a role where I, I would love to have Raheem Mostert as a flex option. Yeah. I'm more in line with you, John. Cause again, I'll, 49ers fan, I get it. You can call me biased. You can call me a homer, whatever you want to say. That's fine. If we went into the fantastical world of Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson, don't get hurt in the 17 games, and that these are the only two running backs that are on the roster, why couldn't they be not on the same level, of course, but why couldn't they be somewhat similar to a Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt that we talked about, where both of them are top 36 plays with because of the way this offense sets up? So I do think there's value to be had there, especially because I don't expect their ADP to be all that high but let's move on here to our next group of running backs that we want to talk about and this so most of these guys will lump together but there is one guy that i want to talk about in a singular fashion that's david montgomery the curious case of david montgomery especially when you look at last season what is he is he an rb1 is he an rb3 what do you think adam i like him i like him the player i chicago's another one of those teams like uh like how I spoke about the Raiders where I just have like no idea like how the decisions that are being made are like people that know things are making them or that are at least outwardly appear to know things. Uh, I'm hoping that the next coaching staff uses him a lot better <laughs> is, is my opinion. But I, I still think you can get uh, some pretty good value out of him, especially if uh, depending on how the ADP falls, uh, I, I think there's value with David Montgomery. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be somewhere in between, right? It can't be it can't be the guy who looked like he couldn't get past the line of scrimmage at times and just because of pure volume was an RB2. But it also can't necessarily be the guy who looked like he was, I don't know, a, a mini version of Derrick Henry towards the last end of the stretch. Uh, John, when you're looking at David Montgomery, wh- where do you think it is? And let's also kick in the fact that it looks like maybe Andy Dalton's going to be the starting quarterback too. What is that? How does that play into it? What a kick in the pants that is for Bears fans. <laughs> what? They've been waiting for quarterback news. They've been waiting for quarterback news for a month. You could have had Andy Dalton last year for way cheaper without giving yeah. up draft capital for Nick Foles, and yeah. yet you come back to Andy Dalton this year after having to go through the Nick Foles. That's the kick in the pants. Unbelievable. Wah, wah. Sucks. Yeah, that's that's a – listen, that's a tough that's a tough signing. But anyway – um, yeah, I think you're right. David Montgomery sort of lives somewhere in the middle. I don't think he's as bad as we saw at the start, but again, that could be his floor. So now you're seeing that. Okay, so that's him on a bad on on a bad stretch. I get a low end RB two on a bad stretch, and then you see him on a hot stretch, and you go, okay, so these are both of his ends. This is his ceiling. This is his floor. I think he's going to live somewhere in the middle. So to me, he I'll probably rank him around RB fifteen, sixteen ish, kind of in that realm. Um, but again, if he can he can catch hot for you if we believe the bears get hot for some reason you know i'm a firm believer and i take running backs on good offenses and good teams because i that tends to be where running back production comes from uh i don't know how good the bears offense is going to be i don't know what that organization is going like you know like you said i don't know what is going on at that organization so um 
I'm a little more hands-off on David Montgomery and Dynasty, but for redraft, I, I think you're totally fine and totally safe kind of valuing as that high-end RB2. What do you think, Lamar? Yeah, I mean, I have a pretty similar mindset as you guys do. Uh, I think that David Montgomery has both a high floor and a high ceiling, but what holds him back so much is Chicago's poor offense and just their organizational mishaps. Um, the volume is what keeps David Montgomery so interesting, and one thing that I think that I need to point out that a lot of people don't realize about him is he's a sneaky good receiver, too. This is especially true when Nick Foles is under center. I'm not really sure why. But even when Mitchell Trubisky was back playing quarterback for the Bears, you saw Montgomery get pretty involved in the passing game, especially after Tariq Cohen went down with that injury. So looking at his match of uh, running and, and pass catching ability, I still think that David Montgomery is somebody you should be looking at pretty early on in your drafts next year. I, along with the quarterback, and I love what, what John said there, that's his floor, and that's his ceiling, that's a pretty valuable running back. But along with the quarterback change back to Trubisky and him playing well along with the good matchups, the other key was that Bill Lazor took over play calling. And that has to remain true at the beginning of next season. That remains true at the beginning of next season. I love David Montgomery as a high-end RB2. So let's move on. And like I said, the rest of these guys will start lumping together. J.K. Dobbins, let's just... It's really kind of weird to see what's going on with Melvin Gordon right now. Uh, from a redraft perspective, let's say Melvin Gordon goes back to Denver. From a redraft perspective, what are you guys looking at? Because they'll both be in situations where they're going to probably share it with somebody. What do you think, Lamaro? I, I'm really I'm a, I'm high on J.K. Dobbins this year because I loved his yards per carry last season and I think he is a really explosive player. I'm just not sure with with the way that the Ravens play the offense that he's in right now. I know Mark Ingram's gone, so he could see uptick in usage and this could be his breakthrough year. But right now, I'm not sure with Lamar Jackson still taking away so many carries. I'm not sure if I'm trusting Dobbins just yet in fantasy. Adam, uh, I'm a Dobbins believer, and I'm a Dobbins believer because I've been. I've been killed on the Gus Edwards Hill for far too long to believe that John Harbaugh and the Baltimore Ravens staff will unleash him. And I know that there's room for one other guy to run, and I, it just has to be him because they're, for whatever reason, they won't do it to Gus Edwards. And <laughs> that's really as deep as that goes. As far as Melvin Gordon, um, Rejaft, he's probably fine in the later rounds. He'll probably, he's a limited as in terms of his abilities, however, he'll probably get in the end zone enough to make him a viable uh, flex or bye week option. So uh, there's that. But I, I think J.K. Dobbins, especially as a dynasty asset, but even a, as a redraft asset, can be pretty valuable. Yeah, I think I tend to agree with that. What do you think, John? <laughs> uh, I, I'm all in on J.K. Dobbins as a late round dynasty asset. Uh, dynasty, yeah, right. As a late round redraft <laughs> asset. Um, <laughs> Not late round dynasty, forget it. <laughs> um, but I, I think he's not going to cost as much as some of these other backs because he didn't have that huge workload. People are fearful of Lamar Jackson. People are fearful of Gus Edwards, which, by the way, I'm with you. Gus Edwards is a very good running back. He is a yes. very good running back. I don't understand. Uh, he's very good. He's very good. Um, and so I, I think J.K. Dobbins is one of those guys who can, you know, profile as this sort of. 250 carry high, high, you know, yards per carry type of guy, big plays, you know, really flashing so the pan stuff. He's super explosive. I mean, he led the league in, in yards per carry and yards per attempt. That's hard to do as a rookie. And that's certainly yeah. hard to do in a limited amount of touches. So, um, you know, you're getting six yards a clip. That means something to me. And so, you know, I want to see that 
again, translate. So with 130 carries last year, give him 200 carries, right? And right. I, I think that's something special. So J.K. Dobbins to me is someone that I would look at. Melvin Gordon, like you said, bi-week filler. He's there. He's he's the type of guy, let someone else draft him because he's going to be on the waiver wire come week four. <laughs> so let someone else draft him because don't worry. If you want Melvin Gordon, you'll be able to pick him up on waivers when someone has an injury bug and they you know they can't start. They have to make these stupid start-sit decisions and they can't keep rostering Melvin Gordon just to have him. Uh, he'll be on the waiver wire, I guarantee, at some point next season. Yeah, I think the only way Melvin Gordon would jump in front of J.K. Dobbins in my rankings is if the Broncos actually traded for Deshaun Watson. I think that's the only way, just because how sure. good that offense would be sure. if that happened, that would be the only way, I think. Otherwise, yeah, I'm with you guys. J.K. Dobbins all the way, even with Gus Edwards. Look, the guy didn't get 15 carries any point last mm. season. Just mm. give the man 16. Like you mm. said, bump him from 130 <laughs> to 200. Give mm. him that. With Lamar Jackson, the fact that they signed Kevin Zeitler, which I think was a great signing by them, the both that interior offensive line. Yeah, I you're gonna I don't care if you get one touchdown every other five attempts in the red zone, because guess what? They're gonna be in the red zone five times in a single game. So it doesn't matter. We saw at the end of last season, he went on a six-game touchdown streak. So even with Lamar Jackson scoring touchdowns, the touchdowns were still there. That's what I'm not worried about. J.K. Dobbins is, is tremendous. Now because I think his ceiling, to your point, is about 200 carries. And while everyone wants to make this thing, like, well, yeah, and J.K. Thomas will get the passing down work, too. I'm like, look, the Ravens don't throw the ball to the backfield. I don't, I don't know what passing down work you're talking about. So you have to kind of base it on that. That's the only thing that keeps him from being an RB1 going into 2021, in my mind. Otherwise, he'd be right up there in the top 12. Let's round out the show. Let's cap it out with a few more guys here on the list. And let's. I just want to talk about Chase Edmonds, and then we'll call it a day. Uh, because Kenyon Drake might not be back. Let's say the scenario is Chase Edmonds winds up being the guy for Arizona. Where Where is he at in your guys' mind? We'll start with John. Oh, man. It's so funny that you bring this up because, like I said, we were working on our project and we watched Arizona. And then me and Brian will sit down and do these sort of like roundtable discussions. You know, what did you see in your six games? What did I see in my six games? And we both saw a guy who is – Fine. He he is just an all around pro, right? Like he's not doesn't do anything spectacular, but he doesn't do anything that kills you. So do when they came out and said that he is going to be their workhorse and he's going to be their sort of belk, however they phrased it, to me that's just lip service. They're not going into the season thinking Chase Ed, like we're again, they look at that back that running back room and go, We're good. We don't have to address it. Like we they're gonna do something. And I think Chase Edmond profiles better as a, you know, sort of tandem back. So, you know, maybe they address it in the draft. Maybe they do something in free agency, uh, bring a veteran in. Chris Carson, I know, is still out there floating around. So I don't think that they're going to go in with Chase Edmonds as their guy. And even if they do, it's going to be a, a iffy situation for fantasy football. There's just going to be he's just not doesn't have the talent. He just doesn't have the talent to really blow up. That's all. That's the problem. They had an opportunity to let Chase Edmonds be the bell cow back when they traded away David Johnson. Instead, they turned around and brought in Kenyon Drake. I think that tells you all you need to know as far as what his real odds are. But again, like I said, this is this is theoretical at this point in the season. So, so Lamaro, if you saw Chase Edmonds being the bell cow guy, where do you think you'd have him at? I mean, Chase Edmonds, even before Kenyon, I mean, uh, Arizona traded away David Johnson and ended up acquiring Kenyon Drake. Even before that, um, Chase Edmonds was showing flashes of being a, a, a highly productive running back. But with that being said, he's never had the high 
uh, expectations of being a running back one on a, on a good team, which the Cardinals do expect to be a good team this coming season. So we've never quite seen him in that role. We're not sure how he's going to produce getting anywhere between 15 to 25 carries a game if he does end up being the Cardinal starter. I presume they're going to bring in somebody else. And I agree with your sentiment that it is just lip service when they say that Edmonds is going to be the starter. So I would say that he's a middle of the pack running back, uh, not really somebody I'm looking to get too high in redrafts or really in dynasty either, because I don't trust that he's the long term option in Arizona going forward. Adam, I got to imagine right now in Dynasty, he is the ultimate sell high. Yeah, for sure. I uh, would get whatever you can for him while while there's a perception that he could be uh, a starter. Because I, uh, what, as you guys have said, I have very little belief that that is what happens. I think someone else, whether it's one of those other guys that we mentioned or Chris Carson or you know whoever, I think someone else will be there. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I like Chaz Evans a lot. I would, I wouldn't mind seeing him be in a situation where he is in that tandem, but he's the lead in the tandem because I, I do like his skill set, his all around skill set there. But I agree, he can't. He's not going to be somebody who I'm like. If you're going to give him 300 touches, he's out by week six. So I'm not going to, I'm not really going to touch that too much. <laughs> Guys, it was a great show. We got through all the running backs, all the consistency grades, the top ones. We're going to have more. We're going to be back in two weeks. It's going to be the wide receiver consistency grades. Just going through the list as we work our way up to the draft. It's going to be a lot more free agency things to talk about when we talk when we get a couple more weeks from now, too. So excited about that. John, I want to thank you so much for coming on to the show. Uh, Dowhauer also sends his respects. Apparently, he lost power in his house, and that's what happens. That's why we lost him. Uh, He just texted me now. So that's what happened to Dowhauer. But, John, thank you for coming on. Let everybody know where they can follow you at, checking out FTLS, everything they need to know. Sure. Uh, you can follow me at FTLS underscore J bats on Twitter. Uh, you can follow Brian, my co-host at FTL Sunday. Um, we are doing these clubhouse sessions. So if you're on clubhouse, sorry, uh, Android users, if you're on clubhouse, you can certainly come join us. Um, they're the FF brass hats. Uh, we also have the podcast for the love of Sunday's podcast. It's everywhere. If my grandfather can find it, you can find it. Just type in FTLS type in for the love of Sundays. It's there. Um, that's our kind of goof around weekly podcast. It's, much more fun, lighthearted, where we just talk about the league, what's going on, and sort of the fun aspects of fantasy football, as well as everybody's favorite day, which is Sunday, and sort of what we're drinking, what we're doing, kind of hanging with the family, all that stuff. So um, if you love Sundays like we do, tune into the podcast. And if you want to sort of hear us talk about how we build our rankings, how we build our rating system, you know, tune into the FF Brass Hats. Yeah, and you guys just got over an hour and a half worth of John. If you can't tell, he's one of the smartest guys in the business. I don't, <laughs> I, I don't know, I don't know what else you're, you're looking at there, Adam. Where can people find you at, and tell them where to go check out your articles? Yeah, so uh, my articles can be found on bellyupsportsfantasy.com, and my uh, Twitter is at Larue Adam, which is a, a mouthful, but it's at L H E U R E U X Adam. Yeah. <laughs> Good show, boys. Yeah. <laughs> it was a great show. It well, was. I'm repping my it belly was. up, my old school belly up merch, by the way. Oh, nice. man. Yeah, you're breaking the, it back on the us. culture. Yeah, you know, love I had it. to. For the culture, love it. I love it. Lamar, where can everybody find you at, my man? Uh, so you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Belly Up Chris. Um, I'm more active on Twitter. I'm always sharing my articles, some other content, posting up funny tweets, beefing with other sports journalists who have more followers than me because I'm jealous, you know, just basic stuff like that. So you can search me up, uh, search out my name, Chris Lamaro, last name, L-O-M-A-U-R-O, on both the Belly Up Sports site and the Belly Up Fantasy site. See all my content there, and I would really appreciate it. 
Great stuff. Great stuff. I'm, I've been all over the place this week. I had the DC's DFS show last Saturday. I'll be back on Saturday at 930 this coming upcoming week. Uh, we got the sports betting one-off show around the March Madness where Mike Brown, Chaz Filardi, and Mikey Betts, we all got together and we went through we went through our March Madness brackets. We went through our games that we like the best, but we also taught people how to bet. And if you're just getting into it, what are the different things that you can kind of look at and do? And my show, the NBC Football Show, it finally comes back, guys. I'm finally back on my normal show, Worldwide Sports Radio Network, this Friday. We're going to be talking about the free agency fantasy impact. Dowhower will be with me on that show. We also have our whipping boy intern, Ben, who will be popping in every so often. And we're going to have a lot, a lot of fun. You can always check that out at Belly Up MDFF Show. We'll be streaming at Belly Up Fantasy and at WWSRN as well. Guys, we had a great show today. I'm glad you guys all came in and checked it out. Thank you for all the comments. We'll see you guys again in two weeks. Everybody take care. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Later. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa with over 50 years of sports betting experience. Fred is known in the UK for three things, customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.